When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I would like to tell you a story. Knife Talk is sponsored by Evenheat, the manufacturers of the finest knife treat ovens available. Find your next heat treat oven at evenheat-kiln.com. Welcome to Knife Talk, the the podcast for knife makers, knife geeks, anybody with an interest in blades. Hosted by myself, Craig from Chop Knives, Jeff Fader from Fader Knives, and Mareko Malmasi from Malmasi Fire Arts. How are we, guys? Doing good, doing good. I want to start off by saying I'm sorry. Whenever I do the intro, I'm the worst. I always forget to introduce all of us. And so <laughs> I know I did last week's. You do a good and I was listening back over and I was like... What? What? Who are these? Ah, oh, what an idiot! I totally forgot. <laughs> who are the? Who are these idiots? No. Who's Speaking even talking? Three hours. Come on, <laughs> it's all right. Sorry, it's all I'm good. sorry. Before we go into what we've been up to this week, shall we talk about our chart positions? Oh yeah, absolutely. So last week we talked about we were we were in the food category on iTunes and we were number one hundred and seventy-two, and I think that's worldwide. Um, we're down with 158, which is good, which means we're climbing the chart. Bow, bow, bow. <laughs> bow, bow, bow. But we've, we've, had a, we've had a few people saying we should be in different categories with other makers because we're in the food category. So when I first set up the podcast, the whole idea was to, you know, to um, reach out to chefs, that yeah. kind of thing. And it's turned into more of a, you know, it's, it's not really for that purpose anymore. It's, yeah. more, it's more for knife makers. So... We're currently in the food category, but I've been having a look at other podcasts to see what categories they're in because it's very limited, the choice that you've got. So I mean, I'm just looking at some of the others. So Mark of the Maker, that's in the arts category. That's a good – by the way, Black, that is a good podcast, really good podcast. Yeah. The the Blacksmith's Pub podcast is in the training category. Hmm. Um, you know, the, the the Jimmy DeResta podcast making it, that's in the hobbies category. So there's, there's not really a category that we – we just fit into mm. you know so so what do you guys think where, where should we be what are our options is food good enough for let's have a look so there's arts business comedy education hobbies health music religion science sports technology or tv religion <laughs> you know you beat me to it <laughs> beat me to it can you imagine some of the stuff in no. Can you imagine some of the stuff in Have that mercy. category? Jesus Have Christ. mercy. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <exactly. laughs> uh, I mean, maybe maybe hobbies is more accurate. I mean, we hobbies? are educational, but we're also uh, entertaining, especially Jeff on the comedy side. Uh, hobbies hobbies <laughs> definitely seems like it would be, you know, probably closer into regards to the people who are, you know, listening to this, you know? Yeah. Right. Okay. Let's switch it to hobby. In fact, I've just switched it. It's Ooh, done. So who? Here we go. So it's done. Now, now where are we? <laughs> <laughs> now we're at twenty thousand. Now we're at two thousand. Yeah. 
Sweet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we're, that's the thing. We probably our child position will change. Um, <laughs> but anyway, we're now in the in the hobbies right. category. So, what have we been up to this week? Let's start with Mareko. What have you been up to? Uh, I've been up to so much, just so many things. No, but seriously, I have. Uh, I got these handles sculpted. I actually did a bunch of Instagram Instagram stories uh, on these. Uh, this pair of handles I'm working on. They're not going to the same person, but I'm just kind of trying to double up and be more efficient with the little time I have left. One's Curly Koa. Uh, it's actually more of a kind of compression curl, which you see, uh, I, I think that the major definition between compression curls and curly and like a Curly Koa is that the compression curls have very tight kind of peaks and valleys versus a normal curl is very just like, it undulates pretty regularly down the handle, mm-hmm. which is more like the maple uh, curly maple handle that I'm working on. Uh, but those are f- coming up, uh, coming together really nicely. I just got all the finishing coats on the handle, and so now I'm working on, I marked uh, the pommel rivet on the koa handle, and uh, I hand sanded the blade yesterday, or at least one side. And um, so today I'm going to be hand sanding the other side. The other knife is going to be kind of waiting, um, just because it's got to get a saya. Uh, what else? I got some notes here right here. Oh yeah, blacksmith knife. I've been t- I posted up a few uh uh what like videos of me cutting with that blacksmith knife recently. Um because I think actually we're so today's we're you know, go behind the scenes right now. We're uh, we're recording on Friday. And so when this finally airs, uh it'll be passed. But I'm gonna do a kind of a mini twenty four hour auction sale just for kind of S and G's. Um that's shits and giggles for Got it. kids. Uh, <laughs> and, and, uh, but you know, okay. So th- it's interesting trying to decide if you're going to auction stuff or sell stuff. And, uh, I've actually, I- I've, the part of the reason I'm trying to do this is because with the move, you know, I'm going to be experiencing probably, a, a a little bit of like a month long lull, basically, um, in getting things packed up, the whole drive over, getting things set back up as some serious downtime that, you know, basically mm-hmm. is stuff not being made. So I'm trying to figure out what I got on hand um, that I can kind of help kind of do like a moving sale, basically, in a way. So I'm doing this auction on this blacksmith knife. Uh, it's 1075. I forged it and, during the hot sauce, the second hot sauce hammer off. And I was doing some cutting video uh, or cutting testing with it. And it's so it still surprises me how like if you do things right how effective they are um anywhere from heat treating to sharpening geometry you know designed for specific tasks and stuff like that and some of the stuff i was posting especially like chopping into this dusty ass old two by four it's probably got all kinds of metal dust and whatever from floating around the shop but it's been sitting in here for the last couple years and i just need something to chop on i chopped through it about a quarter of the way and then i I went and did a bottle cut and um if you've ever tried to do a bottle cut it's super tricky especially an empty bottle because it's so it wants to bounce away the second you make contact with it and so there's there's a little bit of skill in um, you know, cutting at the right angle, and if you're cutting at the proper angle, your your margin of error is pretty small. You have about a, a one inch window within to hit that thing properly. Otherwise, it's just not going to cut. Uh, so, uh, but that went really well, and uh, yeah, I, I have another one doing other cut stuff. Anyways, that blacksmith knife thing's going to go up. Uh, what else do I got going on? By the way, that uh, oh, that slow mo yeah, of that bottle uh, flying was awesome. 
I saw the video oh. yesterday. It looked great. It, the slow mo was perfect, and it just like it literally looked like you know you, you even wrote on your on your stories that it looked like it was CGI'd in. It really looked awesome. Yeah, it's crazy. When I went back and watched it, it it looked like the second the knife touched it, it just yeah like split in half like on a cartoon or something like that also you know we're getting ready for the move we've been mapping out our trip um and we're definitely gonna be making stops and we're literally doing an entire cross-country trip so we're going through pennsylvania indiana ohio uh you know michigan parts of michigan uh i can't remember illinois wisconsin uh, north dakota minnesota all those montana washington idaho um so I'm I'm gonna put the uh, I think I'm gonna put our route up because there are gonna be a few stop places where we just gotta stop, um, both to give our ass a break, but also you know you gotta eat some food and stuff like that. But uh, I think I might put that up and see if maybe there's some people that just even for two seconds while I'm getting gas or something like that say what's up. Uh, I'd be I always love meeting new people, especially uh, anybody who. Uh, I've been following, or they've been following me, or they listen to the podcast, or anything. And uh, and calendars. Last thing I got is the calendars. Um, you know, we're getting closer and closer to to launching the pre-sale for those. Uh, we're gonna go the pre-sale route just because uh, you, this is the first year we're doing these, and we don't know how many, uh, how much interest there's gonna be. But again, it's a, a knife maker calendar. Basically, it's gonna be twelve months of various knife makers whose work. Um, I think is really kind of pushing the boundaries of execution and skill and kind of in ingenuity uh, in their making. And uh, yeah, it's the artisans of steel or artisans in steel. I can't remember what I called it, but anyways, <laughs> that is what I've been up to cool. this past week. Yeah. Thank you. What, what about you, Jeff? Uh, yeah. Well, it, it was a, it was a bizarre, it was good. You know, I, we uh we changed the way we do things uh, a few months ago, and now we're starting to get into the groove of scheduling. and And I'm able to have if I can get a certain amount of knives finished in a certain amount of time, I'm left over with a little bit of time to do stuff for our website to sell direct. And we've been fooling around with figuring out ways in which to kind of um, use social media and our website to kind of do new things. So I had enough time to make some bottle openers. So I. I budgeted out some time i had a two half days and i forged out 12 bottle openers and they were so, fun it was fun to do and ba- fun to do a batch i like working in multiples it it, it really kind of like clears out the cobwebs and it makes you very uh decisive in your decision making and you know you you end up you end up committing which i love and yeah. So I forged out 12 and we put them up and we sold them all. We sold them all within like uh, 12 hours, which was a lot of fun. And, you know, I really wanted to make something that was a little bit more affordable and attainable and a little something that we can do every so often. And the way our website works now, it's, you know, it, it just the, the sale comes straight to my my printer and then we just put them in and there's not a whole lot of... Uh, not a lot of administration so this is one of the things that we're just trying to like you know figure out what works best and how we can be the most effective and efficient and so that was fun and uh and then i got invited to a a winemaker a wine dinner at my uh uh, our friend uh this chef who listens to this podcast his name's uh mike anastasio and he's the chef at 
Yeah, Mike's an awesome dude. He's listening to it right now. He wakes yeah, up on Monday guy. morning to listen. Yeah. So, he, so the the owner of the restaurant called me up and they say, "Hey, listen, you want to be my date for the night? And I we we're you know come sit with me and we'll we'll do this wine dinner." So he showed up and Mike <laughs> paired this. I mean, this guy is. This is why, especially with culinary guys, it's important to kind of meet and know culinary guys because if you're making chef knives, it's good to know about food. It's good to know about chefs. It's good to talk to chefs. This guy Mike is such a goddamn genius when it comes to food. He pay, we had this winery. They had really beautiful wines, and the and the winemaker was she was very uh, sincere, and she wasn't crazy. wasn't talking about like things that were just esoteric, and the food was just unbelievable. It was incredible. And the funny part was, so the winemaker would say, you know, speak in front of the. I was sitting in a back table with the owner. And we were just like, you know, bullshitting with the waiters and stuff. And then the winemaker would talk and everyone would sit at attention. And the chef would come up. And this is the duck confit with mole, with mole sauce and this. And this is a pickled fluke. with a, And everyone's standing up. And, oh, oh. and then he'd come back and I, he'd come back to our table. And I said, how did you figure this out? And he goes, ah, you know, I sit, sit on the toilet in the morning and I got all these notebooks. I just figured out in the bathroom. <laughs> so it was so funny to me because it was this total, I was just like, these people are like, oh, looking at, the, and he's a, he's one of the most talented chefs. I know he's a young kid. He's a dynamite chef. He, and not to mention when I first met him, he's got, he knows all you guys. He knows all the knife makers. He knows he, before he met me, he knew about, he's got a knife from Isaiah Schroeder. He's got a knife from Nora Knives. He's very well acquainted with knife makers and steel and it was awesome because the food was great and he was dynamite and um and he listened to the podcast and he was super awesome to us and but it was funny it's like you know when you meet these guys you know they're they're like you know they they put on the, you know he's just a dynamite guy but at the same time he's like ah, and i sit in the toilet in the morning and i got a i got a bunch of notebooks and i kind of like figure out what works with what <laughs> when you do your best so. thinking I did some good thing. It's a good thinking there, and I and uh, I might have had I might have had a little bit too much wine to drink, and I might have gotten frisky on the inter- internet. But that's a different story altogether. Uh oh, no, <laughs> what's that fine. about? Who are you nothing. getting frisky with? It's nothing. I'm nothing. Well, you it's brought nothing. it up. I'm telling you, it's nothing. It was nothing. I just got a little bit. I should have. I should have used my head. But did you get in fine. trouble? Were you in no, trouble? No, I don't get in trouble. I don't get in trouble. I don't get in trouble. Any <laughs> trouble I get into, I can always talk, worm my, talk as they say, I can worm my way out of. There you go. And then, you know, and then we got four-leaf clovers all over the place. And I'm posting yeah. pictures about the Lots. stupid four-leaf clovers. <laughs> I will say, yeah, you gotta, you make a good point about if you're going to make chef's knives, uh, it's good to know what's going on in the industry. I listen to a few food podcasts, but I also, you, you know, getting into the kitchens, especially if you have a customer um, who's close to you, like you got Mike right there, but just anywhere, if you can get a hold of them or visit those customers, um, one of the biggest perks about making chef's knives is that you also, these people that you're making knives for, all of a sudden want to make you the best fucking food you've ever eaten in your entire life. And so... Yeah. And so you you know you go places and they take care of you, but yeah, but that's just a that's just a side bonus. Most realistically, like it's great to have uh, to be able to get that instantaneous feedback by having these relationships, and I think that's awesome that you got that with Mike. And he's like, what? He's like ten minutes from you, five minutes from you. He's he's his shot. His, the Finn and Brew is literally five minutes from the shop. But that's awesome. I, it is it is it is one of those things that. Um, 
it's good to be talking with cooks and it's good yes. to know them, but it's also good to, I'm sorry to tell you this, but it's good to know how to cook. If you're going to make culinary yes. knives, you should kind of have an idea. And I had this conversation. I was, I did an Instagram live yesterday and I was actually talking with, um, uh, our friend, uh, Kasumi Kev, you know, Kasumi Kev. Yeah. We've got He's a question this, from him later. Yeah. Kasumi Kev, Kasumi Kev, is he actually listens every morning he live streams he's sharp, he's a knife sharpening maniac and he's yeah. amazing i mean he is incredible he's got awesome and we were talking skill, about we were talking yeah he's got great knife skill. i mean he does he does he does he's got great knife skill videos um we were talking about and this is something that is interesting to me we were talking about how you you know how you use your knives and um i know that the push cut is very important a lot of people i know you when you're cooking you do the push cut a lot when I'm at home, and and I say this, I say this with you know in tongue in cheek and just very like flippant and glib, but you know when I'm I, I I cook the way I cook when nobody's looking, you know. So so a lot of times I'm not doing the push cut, and I said that to him, and he goes, oh, push cut for life. Everyone, you should do the push cut because that your 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 blade is is less likely to get uh, duller on the board because you're not using the board as much. And it was interesting because you know talking to different chefs on how they cut. Um, Mike is a very, he's got awesome food. He's got, he does a lot of, uh, classes and he'll, he'll do some, you know, cutting tricks and stuff like that. And it is interesting to talk to people about how they cut. Kevin Pellegrino. I wonder if he's re- related. I don't, to Steve Pellegrino. Yeah. I think I got a feeling there's a lot of Pellegrinos out there, <laughs> you know, that is my story petered out. That's a, that's how it is. So. Craig, Craig, I, what are you going on? What's going on with you, Craig? Whew, another one of those weeks. So, Daddy Daycare, the beginning of the week. So, the, my wife had to go to London for two, three days, mm. um, which left me alone with four-month-old twins um, on a week where I had this epic heat-treating schedule to do. Right. Um, but, yeah, so the, the first three days of the week were pretty much out of the uh, workshop. I did manage to get into the workshop. I brought them into the workshop for half a day just so I could do some prep work, and that was okay. But um, <laughs> So, yeah, so then middle of the week, um, I could start the heat treat. Um, I've probably got about halfway through the 64 knives that I need to do. Um, and then I ran out of foil. So oh, <laughs> I had to order foil. But some came this morning, so I know I'm, I'm, back, I'm back on track for the weekend. Yeah. Um, the big news is I had the new grinder, the new Clarix Metalworks grinder arrived on, I think it was Tuesday, uh, but I didn't get a chance to really play with it till Wednesday to get out of the box and all the rest nice. of it. And I've got to say, this thing is awesome. So the, the old grinder that I had, I had that sort of custom made for me from this, this guy in Greece. And that's probably about four or five years ago. Um, single speed, um, but it's, you know, it's, it's all I've known. So it's done the job well enough for me. Um, but this thing here, I've set it up and oh my God, it's, 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 it's another level. So, you know, even the construction of it. So the old grinder, you know, the tool rests and the tool arms, all that kind of thing, they would all that sort of, you know, box profile sheet steel. Um, but these ones are solid aluminium, it's just two inch solid aluminium, all the tool arms and everything. It's, it's built like a tank. It's amazing. And, you know, it just everything slides out nicely and you can make adjustments without it sticking. It's just got a really nice action. It's, it's beautiful. Yeah, so, that sounds great. And it just so happens, they just so happen to be a sponsor of the show. So we've managed to get a, a discount for anybody else who wants one of these grinders. It's the, it's the BG Pro version 2. That's the one I've got. 
Um, if you use the promo code KNIFETALK5, you're going to get a 5% discount on them. Um, but the last two days, I've actually been making a, an unboxing, almost like a review-style video of, of this grinder. So that's going to be up on Monday. So by the time you hear this podcast, you'll be able to go and have a look at, at the video and, and see the grinder in action. But honestly, go and take a look. It's, it is awesome. Well, it is awesome. I can't wait to see that. Um, yeah, so make sure you take a look at clarixmetalworks.com. If you're ordering, let us know, but also use the, the promo code KNIFETALK5 to get your discount. Are we ready to get on with the show? All the time. Hey, man, can I ask you a question? That <laughs> <laughs> still cracks me up every time. <laughs> um, we, uh, so this is, uh, hey, man, can I ask you a question? This is where you ask us questions. We do our best to give you some solid answers. Um, and so we're going to just kick it off right here with Iron Gold Knives. It says, hey, man, can I ask you a question? What was the experimental knife design you tried that totally failed? Uh, let's see. You guys got? Do you have any that you tried? I know I got some. I'm sure. Experimental? Um, not really. Mine are probably quite classic looking. Nothing too. I mean, you know, my first serrated knife was probably a big experiment for me. Mm. Um, and we, strangely, I, I've been tidying up the last couple of weeks, and I opened up a drawer, and I found a bunch of old knives. Like, these are the first maybe 50 knives that I made, and geez, I suppose some of them are experimental, and every one of them is a failure. <laughs> you just look at them and think, what the hell was I sure. thinking? Um, but yeah, lately, I've, yeah, I haven't really been experimenting enough, maybe. Maybe that's something I need to be doing more. Yeah. What about you, Jeff? I tried doing a variation of one of my oyster knives to kind of make it more like a boot knife, like a dagger, just to fool around. And at mm. first I thought, oh, this is kind of cool. And then I was just chasing the uh, the center line of the blade. And it was like, every, it, it was I was putting lines down and I was like, it was just, it was looking so weird. And I spent all this time on it. I was like, it's still looking so weird. And that was just like, ah, and I just put it on the side. I'm like, I ain't working on that anymore. I, 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 uh, I got, became too, uh, but now that I have this Bill Benke, uh, radial platen, radius platen, I think I might try to give it a shot again. Mm. But, uh, but other than that, I, I you know. I've tried, uh, I tried a, I did a, a Bowie knife out of, uh, I did a Bowie knife and it looks like shit. So that was, uh, that was an experiment <laughs> of like, uh, it, it was a total experiment. It, it's still, I'm looking at it right now. I look at it and I see like your fucking thing is awful. So there you go. Reason, reason Bowie would be shaking in his boots. <laughs> Poor reason Bowie. <laughs> I've, uh, myself, I've, I have. A few, actually, I have a few experiments that I haven't completed yet, so I don't know if they're failures. But the the probably the biggest one I can think of off the top of my head is uh, I think it was only like a week or two after Lin Ray uh, first posted about his X-ray knives, which was like two years ago or two and a half years ago, maybe three now. Um, I was like, oh my god, that's so cool! I love the aesthetic, I love the concept, and I kind of, in my head, kind of reverse engineered how he might have gotten to where he got, and so I just kind of started forging something out, and I finished, quote unquote, finished forging something and you know riveting it back together, but it looked like a giant piece of shit, (laughs) so. So uh, that's sitting in my drawer of first times and f ups, and um, but yeah, that's probably the biggest experimental knife that I I forged out and just did not work. There's uh, the, what's 
unfortunate is <laughs> it wasn't out of mild steel. Uh, I wish I had thought about that. Uh, that would have been good. But uh, it, I made it out of some nice 1084 and forged it out. And so pretty much the whole rain portion is garbage. Um, but it, it was like a Bowie blade. So there's plenty of material there still to kind of cut that off and forge in the tang and, and get a decent sized like hunting knife out of it. But it was, it's garbage. Basically I should, I should take a picture of that. <laughs> I, I also did a slip joint folder that I like the shape, but the mechanics is so tight and that my whole handle assembly is so like, I, there's so much about it. I like if I could only, if I, if I could, if I could make slip joint folders, I would, that's really one of those things that I really would love to do. But the one I did, I still have it with, and then I didn't make the, my, the, the handle part, the scales, I guess you'd say it's just brass, but it's just very like, it's, it's a failure because it's just such a pain in the ass to figure to do all the mechanisms and I'm constantly going back and trying to look at the parts. And I have like a drawer filled with all the little parts that I've used and made mm. for slip joint folders in the future. But that thing was a wreck too. Yeah. Total wreck. Yeah. Some of those that I've seen, some people make are just incredible. Charles, oh, Charles yeah. Ellis. He's my, he's my Mount Rushmore. Of he goes in slip joint. Ah, Charlie Lionheart. Yeah. You know what he sent me a picture of? You know, this goddamn, this, this, this pineapple, anytime oh, yeah. anything has to do with the pineapple, they send it to me. <laughs> I could tag anything I to do with the pineapple. It's like, you got the great Louis Pena, his pineapple's in his name, you'll tag him. Why don't you tag, tag Louis? <laughs> Louis, oh, I did man. see, it was the, the patina that you used to do with the pineapple. He made a pineapple, it? he made a patina out of crushed pineapple. Good call. All right. Yeah, good call. Good. Congratulations. After that last episode, apparently, banana slime and pineapple get you where you need to be. <laughs> Next question we've got from Christian Sestoff. I think that's the name. Hey, cuties. How do you like your plunge lines? The transition between the ricasso and the grind right at the spine. He's seen super smooth transitions where it's almost impossible to see where the distal taper starts. And he's seen plunge cuts where the grind continues deep into the spine and leaves the ricasso much thicker. Which one do you prefer and why? I have a good reason for the one of the things that is because I like the, you know, on my knives, I like this, the file. I do a lot of file work in the handle. The thicker your handle, like an eighth of an inch, you, I can make my, the file work that I like the best is a little bit on the plumper side. So like the more material you have in your handle, the kind of, it's, it's much more, I don't the right, I don't have the right word, but it's like, you know, it's just, it looks better to me, the file work. So, but the problem is, is like all of a sudden, you know, you got this big old knife and your spine is like, you know, so I drop down substantially. So my, my, uh, the spine of after the plunge line. Uh, it's like three thirty seconds, or a little bit less than three thirty seconds. So, but there is a jump. There's a jump from the spine of the ricasso to where the distal taper starts. Mm-hmm. Mm. My my, I mean, mine are all you know full flat grinds, but I generally leave about five mil away from the uh, spine, and probably about until about halfway down the blade, and then the distal taper is obviously kicking in and, and takes takes that away then. Um, yeah, it's. I, I suppose it, it's very different that the style of knife. I mean, if you're doing, um, you know, something with a bolster or something like that, it's, it's going to have to be different again. Sure. Um, but I, I like a, 
like the the transition there i on, on my knives i like them to be smoothed out so there's no there's no definite plunge line you can't really see where the plunge line is um but i've i've got quite a few big batches coming up for restaurants and i'm thinking i need to change that because it it takes a lot of time to sort of blend Boy, those man, in yeah so so what I'm thinking of doing, now I've got this new grinder as well, which which works horizontally. I can do all my, after heat treat, I can do all my flats. I'm going to get a bunch of Bill Benke file guides, because I've only got the one at the moment, stick it on, um, grind my bevels, so I'll have a plunge line, um, and keep it on, which I know Jeff does. You keep yours on, don't yeah. you, for your, for your hand sanding, for your finish. Right. So I know my, my flats will be done before the bevels are done. Leave that that file guide on and hand sand all the flats so i am going to have more of a, a defined sort of plunge line i suppose than what i've what i've had before and that's you know it's it's one of those things where if i want to speed up i need to change my process and maybe change the design a little bit and that's that's one of them sure yeah i mean i do mostly i do uh, obviously integrals and so the the integral bolster effectively is my ricasso area and so mm-hmm. there's no step from the ricasso down to the blade it all just kind of flows together and so when i do do uh do do <laughs> talking shit over here uh when i do a flat blade and a non-integral blade i i do like a kind of a gentler softer kind of blending i guess what he's referring to as uh where you can't really tell where the ricasso ends and the distal taper starts i like it to be a little softer in there um just because i i try to get a get away from any uh hard edges or shoulders or anything anywhere especially on the the harder materials of the blade um as much as i can but that's also kind of where you know that's what the the background i come from is working with bob kramer and that was definitely his style was to and not necessarily that that he established that style but that was the way he did things and so he had a very gentle flowing up into that ricasso area uh the plunge and so it just kind of yeah it's just the way i've always kind of liked it and do it if I'm doing a, a non-integral blade. One thing is, is I like the plunge line for a chef's knife because for me personally, visually, if I'm using 440C, it usually has a mill scale mm-hmm. um, that's very, well, after you heat treat it, it's got like a, it's it's got its own textured mill scale. Yeah, that I like the transition between the bolster and the Ricasso and then the steel. So for me, I like, that's my, probably my favorite transition. And for and it's definitely more time consuming than um, if you didn't do a plunge line at all, and if you kind of feathered in, uh, you feathered that plunge line into the Ricasso. But one thing you got to be aware of is if you, you know, I tried that a couple times uh, with a contact wheel just to kind of like get it all squared away. But the problem is you got to be real careful because you can go too far on the Ricasso, yeah. and then when you're putting the handle scales together, yeah, you're all down of a sudden the, the flat, yeah, you're flat, you're not flat. We, to the yeah. top of your bolster has got some gap. Yeah. And that's one of those. Th- oh. What was that? Sorry, that was that was my phone. <laughs> Let me just <laughs> What an amateur. I thought you were going sk- to give us something episode. new. Oh. I thought no, you were going to give us something the- new. <laughs> or you touch, no, usually no. touch the button too quick. No, that was my phone. <laughs> that's just my phone. But no, I know I know what you mean about when you're trying to smooth that transition out, how you can go too far. Um, generally what I'll use is just a scotch bright belt and just keep going over it until it sort of softens out. Then before you know it, it's almost disappeared. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's very easy to go too far. You must be doing that with the edge down though, right? Or are you doing that edge up with the scotch bright? Edge up. Woo! 
Edge up. Edge up. Danger zone, baby. Danger yeah. zone. Danger zone. Big yeah. time. I've never, I've never, ha- never had a problem. That's so great. I, you well, know, good for you. Until now, I suppose. <laughs> but I'm edge up. Edge up with everything. Yeah. Edge up with everything. All right. Edge up with everything. That makes me nervous just thinking about it. All right. This one comes from Heil Keith. What's the wackiest custom knife request you received that you had to turn away? <laughs> wackiest knife request. Well, I'll. I have a. Oh, I have you a, got I one. Ha- Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So I had. I had somebody. After I, it was. This was after I was on Fortune Fire, but they wanted a sword. Um, with all kinds of skulls engraved into the handle material with inset encrusted with stones and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, and, and, and he sent me pictures of some weird anime. Hey, if you, if you love anime, no, I got love, nothing but love for you. But it, when it comes to the reality of building these things, those are literally cartoons and the weapons they're using in those cartoons are not realistic. And so I was looking at this monstrosity and I was like, there's no way y- I'm ever going to build something like that. Not only because I don't necessarily really want to, but the person wield wielding it, a sword wielder, the person wielding it, that the, they'd have to be stronger than me. Cause you know, some of these swords are like eight <laughs> feet long or something like that. And I think <laughs> people mistakenly think that the, the weight of a weapon was what made it stronger. And you know, they, they think swords were like 20 pounds or something like that. And even some of the bigger swords, the biggest swords were like maybe, maybe five pounds at the most. And then people don't think about that. If you were actually using it for self-defense and, and, you know, in battle, um, you have to be swinging that thing for potentially hours or carrying it for hours. You try walking around with a five-pound bag of flour for hours. You see how you hold up with that. So <laughs> I'm just saying that's crazy talk. So I did not make that. I turned around and I, I was just like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm not the maker for you. I, that's a little bit. That's not the kind of stuff I do. Instead of I, I w- was partly wanting to be like, yo, you're fucking crazy. Uh, but I tried to I tried to be nicer and just be like, eh, yeah, sorry. I can't make. I'm not making that. Yeah. What about you guys? I I haven't had any any sort of wacky requests really. I suppose mine are sort of quite traditional and sort of classic sort of styles. So I just don't you know get those requests. But um, yeah, nothing really wacky at all. Nothing. Except I had, except I had, for food in the handle scales, which I don't think is bad. I think that's actually really that's, cool. Oh, that's yeah. but I'd that say that is, is very wacky. outside of the yeah. outside of the norm. Outside of the not wacky. Outside of the norm. Yeah. yeah. Outside the norm. <laughs> That's for the norm. You're gonna have to. We did, have to... A- we did actually change that, so we didn't actually do it with food. I found a wood, huh? um, which looks similar to the food stuff that this this guy is sort of famous for using. Mm, so okay. we, we were good in the end. Cool. I'm gonna need to talk to you off mic to see how I can uh, put some of my four leaf clovers in some handle scales. <laughs> I got. Mm, I'm like. Yeah. I'm like drying out like thirty as we speak, and I thought about figuring out a way. Actually grabbed a three leaf clover like i can spare a four leaf clover and i put i just dumped some uh, two-part epoxy on top of it and I actually used your trick from a couple weeks ago you said that i you know what i tell you what i did i i, I uh i put a i got a piece of a uh, three leaf clover and i put it on a, a piece of g10 and then i uh, did two-part epoxy and i put it on top and i put it on the 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 drill 
the drill press and I turned the drill press on and the vibrations and a little bit Shake of heat gun. It did a yeah. pretty good job. It did a pretty good job. I was I, I thought, man, I'm on a podcast. It gives me good good ideas all right off the bat. <laughs> but I wanted to see if I could figure out a way to make it clearer because it'd be cool to be able to. I got look. I got a backyard and I, people think I live four miles away from Indian Point nuclear power plant. So the joke was, I said to my last year we got about ten coral leaf clovers, and then this year I said to my wife, I'm like, look, we're gonna try early, see what happens. I said if I get twenty, I'm gonna. Uh, I'm going to go to the oncologist. You know, it's like I, got, I probably have cancer or something like that. But really, the real story is is we all bought clover, bags of clover to, for ground cover, and we just got a good patch. But um, in regards to growing things in wackiness, I was approached by a uh, cannabis farmer who uh, I went to school with, and uh, they have this legal cannabis farm in Colorado. And they were like, yeah, we have this hard time the way we, I don't know, trim or graft or whatever the hell they do. And we need we need a, a we they usually use I guess they were saying we use exacto knives but the exacto knives are suck so we want to design something with you to you know so our farmers can you know be you know comfortably cutting up the weed I I don't know a weed knife I guess oh, for so, like well, a, a harvesting scalpel some scalpel or something like that. So at first I'm just like, ah, you're crazy. I, I said, I said, I'm like, I don't even, I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't even know what you need. I can't, I don't even know how you do what you do. So they said, well, we're going to, uh, we're going to FaceTime you from the fields and then we'll do a FaceTime video showing you what we do. And then maybe you can figure out what we'll need. I'm like, all right. And as so I call up my partner, tell you like, Hey, listen, we're going to make some weed knives pretty soon. And he's like, all right, sounds great. And I, I usually <laughs> never... I but we never we never I never got the the FaceTime call and you know we, I'm still friendly with the person we might figure something out but yeah that was that That's wacky yeah, I I will wacky I'd do it though wacky yeah sure I I did think of one more uh so Peter does all the smelting um and melting down of steels and I make obviously I make lots of Damascus and I, we got an email. Somebody was asking if they could, you know, they had a very close relationship with their recently deceased grandparent. Um, oh no. That wanted their ashes incorporated into the mm. blade of the knife. And, um, <laughs> people are crazy. People are so crazy. Go ahead. Yeah, but unfortunately there kind of basically is no, no way to really effectively incorporate um, <laughs> incorporate the burned ashes. But how would her- they know? <laughs> Do you just get the, the urn? You chuck it over the shoulder. You put a little pinch here and there. They're never gonna know. Yeah. What are they gonna? What are they gonna see? Grandpa's <laughs> scattered on the ground well, next to the thing. They'll it, never know. The, the, realistically, the best way that you could probably use somebody's ashes would be to mix it in with uh, some sort of hardener or like a. Like this, uh, the resin, and make some either handle scales or spacer material out of it uh, with so the ashes funny. mixed mm. in. Uh, that's the only thing, a really uh, way, the only way I could really think of making use. But unfortunately, you know, that doesn't last forever. He really wanted it to be in the blade. And it's like, okay, well, we could, you know, add the ashes into the crucible melt, but there's no guarantee that any part of your grandma is going to end up being in the blade, unfortunately. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. You you guys should have just said, oh, no problem, and then be done with it. Just don't show up while we're doing it. You pour a little in and... 
It's in. What they're not going to. What are they going to do? They're going to take it to a. They're going to take it to a scientist and say, "Is grandma on this knife?" No. DNA they, don't, they, don't, they have no idea. They don't, well, people say this. The soul in the blade. You know, when you do the quench, this is when the soul enters the blade. You know, this yeah. is grandma's soul. I would have done the old. I would have done the old. Oh yeah, now we're gonna put it in. Wait, what's that over there? And then fling it right over the shoulder. Get <laughs> <laughs> over the shoulder. It's all in there. Yeah, grandma's in the crucible. We got grandma on the pot, cooking her up. Yeah, who cares? Oh, These people are so crazy. These literally, it's like it is amazing. I, I like this question too because it is amazing what people ask for and what they want, and how simple. I mean, grandpa's in the in the knife. Oh, come on! Yeah, I mean, put time to put it, grandpa away. Time to put grandpa away. If it seemed like Jesus it was actually Christ. a viable option, like if it actually, if we actually thought the ashes would be left or like part of the ashes would be in the steel, we would have been like, yeah, we're all about it. But it just would not. From I mean, Peter's got like 20 years of experience making this stuff. So if anybody's going to know, it's going to be him. And uh, he's just like, yeah, unfortunately, the ashes just wouldn't make it through. So, yeah, you know what? He could have could have uh, could just pour some down in the side. Just pour a little bit in the side. There you go. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> oh, Squish it in. Uh. Cram it. Cram the ashes down to the side. Yeah, it's in the knife. Don't okay. worry. Grandpa's grandpa's in there. Mix it in with the epoxy pour and dry bed the handle. There'd be in the That's handle. a good idea too. Yeah. That's a good idea too. I just thought of that. <laughs> what is it? Yeah, perfect. It's, uh, <laughs> we get we can bed the tang with grandma. Yeah. Oh my god! All right, <laughs> this next one. <laughs> bed the tang with grandma. Come on, grandma, we're bed the tang. Go on bed. All right. This next one is from James Mayo Nice. He says, hey, cuties with the big booties. I've recently started selling my knives at quite a moderate price, but a thing that worries me now is the tax man. What, oh, what steps should I be taking in the next six months regarding setting up a proper business? What do you guys do? And what are the differences for paying tax and declaration on business uh, between the new UK and US? Uh, thanks for... Uh, Thank you, big bags of legends. That was all right. Big bag. This of is the point. This is the point in the episode where all the listeners are doing the big gulp. Gulp. This is big gulp time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is big gulp time because there's a lot of there's going to be a lot of heartache on this answer. You got to see an accountant, and you have to set your company up correctly. Yeah, that's what you have to do. Yep. There's no way. I mean, I know so many guys who do so much under the table, and I understand. But these, it's gonna catch up. I'm telling you for sure. One thing I learned when we were setting our stuff up is, um, in at least in Washington, obviously the 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 laws vary depending on where you're at. Um, and, but in Washington State, if it's only kind of like your side business and it's not your main source of income the laws are very different versus if it is your main source of income and how you you might be well how the fuck are they going to know well they'll audit you and they will find out so be i think transparency is the best uh best thing you can do because there are all kinds of fines and fees that go along with basically lying about your taxes uh including uh, you know, shutting down your business or something like that. So mm-hmm. I think the biggest, if you really want to try to take this full time 
and be very serious about this, I think you got to also take that step, like Jeff was saying, go to an accountant, possibly even, you know, I, I know plenty of knife makers who actually have business lawyers who help them make sure all their shit square so that they don't get screwed over. And uh, I think I think it's a good move. If you can afford it, definitely get one. But um, yeah, it's and don't go down that rabbit hole of trying to do it yourself because <clears throat> your time will just be sucked away. Yeah. Just get an expert to do it yeah. for you. It'll cost very little each month. And they'll just make sure you're straight. Well, back in, it is oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Pardon me. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say really quick. Back in Washington State, they the actually the like the ink the state tax people or I don't actually we don't have a state. Anyways, anyways, the people in charge of the taxes around business they actually offer workshops. They'll come and consult. Sorry. They'll come. They'll somebody come. Somebody running up the stairs. I'm sorry for interrupting. Is somebody running up the stairs? No, I'm in a shop where other like people a, a work. Power Jeff. There's a power hammer running. I'm <laughs> oh, sorry. I'm not l- l- sitting in the laps of luxury in my beautiful car. Sitting. I thought you were like <laughs> eating tap- a breakfast I thought your muffin. Finger was tapping on. I thought you were telling the uh, telling the story of tapping I'm on the very dead serious desk. right now. I'm tapping the desk. I'm sorry. No, they, Go ahead. They tax offer, back to the tax. Yeah, people. the tax people. They offer classes. They offer to come and do a free cons- consultation. Help make make sure you're on track because, um, you know, they don't want to shut people. They don't live to shut people down. Um, but the law is law, and so anything you can do, in, including actually directly getting a hold of whoever's in charge of taxes in your local area, and just be like, "Yo, I'm starting this business. What kind of resources uh, do you guys have available for me to make sure I'm doing this right? Because I don't want to get screwed." Right. I think you can wow. say it just as plain well, as that. James asked about the difference between the, I don't know what he means by the new UK and US. Um, But anyway, in the UK, it's very similar to the US. Mm. Um, But my business is now French registered. So it's a French business. Um, And they do things very differently. So when you mentioned workshops and courses, when you first register as a company here in France, um, you've got to go on a week long course. Sure. Um, and that's all about basic accountancy, um, talking about you know your tax declarations, all that kind of thing. Um, and that's a drag. That was a week. That was a week of my life when it was all in French. I, I know very little French. I remember you bringing oh, that worst up. week ever. Yeah. Um, but they've made it super here in France. It's super simple. So it can all be done online. So at the end of each month, you just go on. You say what you spend, what's come in, and you know it's it's super simple. First of each month, bang it up, and it's done. Really simple. And really, it is. It sucks. It sucks that you can't just make something, sell it, and get the money for it. It yeah. sucks that you have to do all the things that need to be to be done. But it's also like that's taking it seriously. I mean, what? And I've said this in the past. We actually, the way our business is set up is we were we didn't ha- at, in the beginning we didn't have to pay uh, employee insurance because we were owner operated. So Tony and I both own the company. Was, we were the only two employees, so we didn't have to pay employee uh, insurance. Employee insurance. So then, some bureaucracy in the in the in the state just decides. Well, we're going to just see if we can charge them for not paying the insurance. And it was like they just they're they're just throwing a net out and trying to get money. This isn't like yeah. these aren't guys aren't on your case. This is we're trying we're gonna you have to prove to us that you're right and we're not right. And it's like it's such a headache. Oh so God. being crystal clear is always the best. That's why when Tony and I started our partnership, I said to him, he he said to me, he's like, this has got to be a hundred percent crystal clear because otherwise it's just too much work. When they're when you're playing fast and loose to the point where we once someone paid for the knife plus shipping, but then they sent us a message saying, "Oh, I'm, I'm in the neighborhood. Can I p- pick up the 
can I pick the knife up? And and I said, yeah, sure. So I sent a message to Tony. Tony says, all right, well, we're going to, I said, let's refund him for the shipping. He goes, well, we, we can't, if we refund him for the shipping, we can refund him for the shipping, but because he's outside of New York state, but if he's picking up in New York State, we have to charge him New York State taxes, mm. which will be more than if he just paid for the shipping. So you one of two things, we can just take. A, he's like he's like we got to do it one of the two ways. We either have to ship it, or ship a box, an empty box to his house. That's going to be wow. cheap. It's cheaper Jeez. for us to send him an empty box. It's going cheaper for him if we send him an empty box <laughs> than if we. It's going to be otherwise. He's going to pay three times as much. For the in, in the taxes, it's yeah. it's a fucking production. It sucks. Yeah, but it's like you know, we I can sleep at night knowing that I'm not going to get a knock on the door. Yeah, mm. oh, you, you mentioned Jeff that it's hard to avoid having to do this stuff. There is one way to to avoid having to deal with all this tax stuff and still make knives, and that's to work for somebody else. So if you're interested in learning how to make knives and start a job, uh, give Jeff an email at Jeff Fader. Jeff at FaderKnives.com. No, I'm just joking. But that kind of is actually, the way to kind of skip past all that bullshit. And real, the reality <laughs> is like if you don't want to deal with that, that's fine. But you might look into getting a job working for somebody else. I'd, um, when we had – when Carl Childs was here, when he was an intern and then he was an employee here, we paid unemployment for him, uh, insurance. And it changed the structure of everything. It became extraordinarily – you know, our, 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 our overhead became so much higher because of paying the, the insurance. So when he left, we kind of switched everything back and all of a sudden it was a little bit of a, you know, big relief because – you know, it was a, it was it's an ex, big business is expensive. Yeah. It's expensive to do this. It's actually it's a drag, and luckily for me that I don't have to do it. I mean, I gotta pay, but I don't have to like know what's going on. I just get the shrinkter. I get the uh, I get the, uh, the the letters from the government that make me so tight sometimes. And I said, "What's this all about?" He goes, "I don't worry." So he said, "Don't worry, I'll take care of that." Get back in the shop. Make some knives. Don't look at the, don't look at the letters. Don't look at the letters. Yeah. It, that, that's a good point. Just get in the shop and make knives. Do what you do best and pay others to do yeah. what they do best. Yeah. That's, that's going to be the way to do it. Find someone else. Find someone else. Well, if you're going to do what you do best, uh, you got to hit up our next sponsor from Combat Abrasives. Uh, Smooth. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Oh, no, but seriously, one. The, the, their belts, I, I absolutely love and stand by them 100%. Um, they are cre- incredibly effective in getting the job done and in an efficient amount of time. I'm not standing at the grinder basically anymore trying to get every last little bit out of my belts. These combat belts just keep blasting away. And so uh, if you go to combatabrasives.com uh, with uh, – I don't see it in the notes, but – Craig, correct me if I'm wrong. It's Knife Talk 10. You'll save 10% on any of your purchases from Combat. They have all kinds of abrasives, not just belts, but they have uh, angle grinder discs. They got uh, epoxies, glue up stuff. They got polishing compounds. They have handle materials. Uh, you can they're, they're kind of a, a one-stop shop in a way. And they also offer belts in various different sizes. They don't just do the 2x72. They got 1x30s. They got all kinds of stuff. So, And technically... They do all the production. Actually, if you go back, uh, Neil RP, uh, RPM Neil, our buddy Neil Kamimura, uh, was cruising around at their shop in Anaheim, California, where they actually make these belts. They do all the production and everything. And if you need some sort of custom-sized belt, 
get them, give them a, send them an email and they can help get those for you as well. So again, if you go to combatabrasives.com, Knife Talk 10, we'll save you 10% on anything you buy from them. And don't forget to tag us. If you get some gear from them, tag us up, tag them up. We'll make sure to turn around and, and share that back out to the world because uh, I think they're just doing an awesome job supporting us and sh- supporting our listeners. Perfect. I'm not going to correct you. You're right. CombatAbrasives.com, Knife Talk 10. Back to questions. We've got one from TiggerWoods09. Hey, cutie, can I ask you a question? Just recently started forging knives. What's the lowest grit you would recommend going to for finishing on hand or hand sanding? Mm. I, so before you get to your hand sanding, what, what's the that's what the last grit? I think that's what he's asking. Is oh, he, oh, I was reading it the other way. Like, what's the minimum too. minimum grit finish that you would leave on a blade? That's what I thought too. We could do, we could say both. Sure. You could do both answers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, go for it. <laughs> Nobody's go going. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll just. I, uh, I. I I used to go to 400 on the machine, um, but I, I and unless I have some really uh, some nice structured abrasive like 400 grit belts, it's kind of a drag to uh, to do it. So um, uh, I've started just taking it to 220 and then going off the like getting a nice even consistent finish at 220 and then going to hand sanding starting at 220 and then the least i would do is take it up to 400 uh uh, stroked out lengthwise down the blade otherwise i normally take my blades up to 800 grit uh minimum so that's where i stand i i agree with you i i uh if i didn't use a disc grinder i would actually after i would actually i hit my blade up with uh, the Scotch Bright belt before I start hand sanding. That kind of mm. like takes some of the valleys, uh, the peaks and val peaks out. Um, I I go I you know I use a disc grinder, so I disc grind down to three twenty, and then I hop back up to two twenty to start hand sanding. But now I I remember talking to uh, Jeremy Spake, and he was he had learned that if you start hand sanding at a at a finer grit. You get a a little bit of an easier tran a little easier and softer uh, satin finish. Your 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 scratch lines aren't so uh, so deep. That's why I started starting. I never start until I uh, two twenty. I start a hand sanding at for sure, and then yeah, exactly. I I, I go to eight hundred. I've seen Nick Wheeler did a video where he did a finish. He he did a dirty finish with 220 and it looked pretty damn good I, but at the same time it's like you know you, you get what you put yourself into you know it's like mm. why 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 you know put it put a little extra time into it and it makes it yeah. just a thousand times better and you won't kick yourself i think people worry too much about how much time they're taking to get a proper result but once you figure out the proper result is where you want to be you figure out better and better ways to kind of get there quicker 100 percent. yeah I'm the same. I go. I'll go to two twenty um, on the on the belt grinder, um, but I'm hoping now actually with this new grinder, I've got a rotary platen, so that'll give me a little bit of give. You know, on on the tighter set in there, I'd use to give me that tiny bit of give. Yeah. So I'm hoping maybe I could take it up to four hundred on the on the on the machine, um, and then roll back to sort of two twenty ish 
by hand and take that right up through 800 and whatever then, you know, 1,000, whatever, whatever the customer wants from there. But yeah, I find it difficult to, on my older machine to go past 220 on the, on the machine. It was, it was just bumping away. It wasn't too good. The next one from at Coulter2121. Hey man, can I ask you a question? I see some knife makers use a buffer and others use a bench grinder with a buffing wheel. Is there a difference between the two and pros and cons? And y'all rock. Thank you. My first buffer was actually, uh, uh, which I still use today. Actually, the first time I met Mareko, he used it. And I broke it. I have it. a die grinder. <laughs> yeah, the, well, that, that was my fault, but that, that is completely my fault. So I got a, a long time ago when I was in uh, doing metalworking, I got really into, you know, we used uh, die grinders a lot. And a lot of them were, uh, you know, air compressor die grinders. They're a little bigger than, um, you know, Dremel. And then we got a McKee, uh, a Milwaukee uh, for for going on installations, we got uh, a Milwaukee big die grinder that we could plug in. So I got one of those, and then I put a buffing wheel, a tiny buffing wheel on it, and it goes fucking fast. And it's great for, like, if you're doing a mirror finish on your edge, when you're finishing your edge, like I, I usually like the buffer on the edge. This thing goes so goddamn fast. It's a little, it's a little extra scary. But I, I don't. I, all I do is the edge. So when Mareko came, he was using. Is he got a buffer? And I'm like, yeah, I got a buffer. And I should have, I should have said, all right, well, it's a very light duty buffer. And he went in, and and, uh, and it was my fault, 100. <laughs> percent But but you pushed into it a little bit, and then the, the little, the little, uh, you know, light duty arbor was like, whoa, and it just started spinning in this. Got just all, put a little yeah. bend into it, and but uh, yeah, I, I like that. And I actually just built a buffer. Uh, for uh, my Kydex and also for buffing uh, handle material. That that was a good looking buffer. Yeah, I can be a, a kind of a bull in a china shop sometimes. Whenever I go no, to somebody's, whenever I go to somebody's shop for the first time, I'm always very standoffish. I don't I don't touch anything. Was, I don't use anything. That was my, <laughs> I stay, keep my I, distance. That was a hundred percent. That was a hundred percent my fault. I was I should have I should have said something. I was like, yeah, there's a buffer over there. Like, and all of a sudden, it made this awful whirling noise. I'm like, yeah, it's my bad. I, I should have warned you. I use a, a bench grinder uh, with buffing wheels, um, and I use them a lot. I've got a, a bunch of different types of wheels, a bunch of different compounds and polishes. Um, so I've got different wheels for steel, different wheels for wood. Um, I use them a lot. I'm always throwing them in the washing machine, <laughs> the actual wheels. Um, stick them in a like a, a pillowcase, stick them in the washing machine, keep them clean, keep them fluffy. Um yeah, I use them a hell of a lot, but they're just so dangerous. They're the one thing that scares the hell out of me using in the shop, because we catch an edge, yeah. that could be could be the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I use a bench grinder with a buffing wheel as well. Uh, and I actually, I technically don't have one, but I, essentially what I've set up for myself is a bench grinder with a buffing wheel. But I made a tooling arm um, with a couple uh, like pillow blocks and an arbor in it and uh, threaded. Ends and so I made a a buffer out of that, so I can run it on my grinder. Uh, but yeah, it's basically the same thing. It's it's get it can be sketchy if you're uh, if you're not in the the mindset and focus. If you don't have the focus to to use it, don't use it. Um, but I think when it comes to the difference between a bench grinder and a, and a, probably I'm guessing a, a right angle grinder kind of style buffing wheel i'm assuming that's what he's talking about i think it doesn't really matter i think it comes down to what you have available to you you can make both work personally you know talking about conversions of grinders somebody sent us to the knife talk podcast the dm with a picture of a a right angle grinder 
Um, and there's some on Amazon you can buy these like conversions to turn them into belt grinders. Yeah. And they look like miniature little two by seventy two bench grinders yeah. being powered by the. It's crazy. I've seen those. Crazy. So stupid. <laughs> They're uh, so stupid. Well, some of the some of the angle grinders are actually variable speed, and uh, you, they they're built for essentially like a one by thirty. And I've seen some videos and demonstrations of them. They actually look like they can work if you have it set up properly. Um, but it's a pretty simple mm-hmm. kind of system. But yeah, they're like I think the cheapest I saw was like thirty five or forty bucks for these little things. But you also have to have the angle grinder and everything. And yeah. could be, it could be a way to could, get started. If you could bring the speed right down, they might be nice for sharpening. Maybe if you can turn the speed right, right down. Yeah, yeah. Possibly. Have you? Has anyone ever seen? This is for the right angle grinder community. Has anyone ever put a buffing wheel on a right angle grinder? Because maybe uh, that would take away some of the danger. Yeah. Because you know when you're using a wire cup, one of the reasons why the wire cups get caught is you're 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 not you're not supposed to you're only supposed to use a quarter of the of the wheel. You mm. can't really you shouldn't unless you're on a flat plate. You should only use a quarter of the wheel. It's the same thing with the wire uh, like discs. Can you imagine how much fluff would fly around if you put a buffing wheel on a right-angle grinder? Well, some people use those uh, on like a car, like a car buffer, right? No, I'm t- but yeah, but a, but a right-angle grinder is going to go, fu- gonna Way go fast. much harder yeah, than that's that. True, yeah, and you're going to have it like a you're going to have it like a disc, and then you can fucking lean into it. Can you imagine you clamp down your knife on the on a board and you're leaning into it. What are you going to catch? You can't catch anything. You can't catch anything really mm. with the with the buffer if you're holding it. Can you? I'm all right. I'll pass. <laughs> <laughs> you know you don't yeah. like this idea. Let's not let's not experiment with that. I want to see. Yeah. I want to see all those little fluffs just flying all over the place. All right. This next one is from Hallen Wolf Forge. Hey man, can I ask you a question? If you could never make another chef's knife, what style? Wait, what? Okay, let me just read through it. If you could never make another chef's knife, what style of knife would you make instead? You guys have. It's a good question. Uh, Jeff I would, would make friction could, folders. <laughs> I would. I, I was going to say pocket knives. I would. I would love to make a pocket knife. I'd lo- if I could make good pocket knives, that's all I would do. I think you yeah. got it. I think I agree. Actually, there's there's some of the levels of pocket knives and folding knives that I've seen over here in France are incredible. So there's the the, the big sort of knife festival here is Coutelia, and it's it's just mm. happening in two weeks actually, and it's about it's about two hours from my house here, um, and literally thousands of exhibitors, and I'd say seventy percent of those knives are folders, sure. and. They're just they're another level, another level, incredible yeah. stuff. So yeah, I'd love to be able to do that. Absolutely, they're great. Folding knives are beautiful because I mean, mm. I, I, my, one of my old teachers, Aaron Wilburn, makes folding knives, and they're just beautiful. I mean, they're just yeah. everything about them. It's just like they're just the mechanism. The they say they call it the walking and talking, and how they you know how it's just great. It's great. And mm. Charlie Lionheart, shout out to Charlie Lionheart. He makes awesome. I'd love to make a. I'd love to just make folding knives. Uh, if I were to do a different, I mean, I love friction folders, especially when it comes to folding knives. But I would probably, I probably venture into uh, kind of bushcraft and hunting knives, um, just because that's that's an interest uh, an interest to me, uh, butchery and stuff like that. So, yeah. How about a kukri? Uh, no, I wouldn't need it. For did I, did I, did I spell it right? Did I say it right? Did you, you spelled it right. 
I said it right. <laughs> spelled it right. I spelled it right. C K O O K R Y. So stupid. I'm so stupid. <laughs> the next question is it's an audio question. So, so this is from Kasumi Kev. Kasumi Kev. Hey, you fucking sexy bitches. Can I- Let's just stop that first. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Kasumi Kev. That's a bit aggressive, Kev. Coming in Kev. hot, baby. Coming in hot. Coming I love in hot, it. Kev. I love it. I'll take it. <sighs> Jesus Christ, Kev. Hey, you fucking sexy bitches. Jesus. Can I ask you a question? I want to know who the best sharpener is between the three of you. Who's got the sharpest knives? <laughs> Holla. Holla. Kasumi Kev. Sharpest knives. That's, that's some Kev. kitchen talk right there. Well, I'm gonna just gonna go out there and just say Mareko, it's over. It's it's Mareko. Well, I'm gonna clearly. I'm gonna I'm gonna stop everything at the moment because we've got a new bit. Oh no! Challenge, Challenge the, the host. host. <laughs> <laughs> what? Challenge the host. Wait, wait. Can I just ask a question? Can you just perplex? It sounds like somebody had a slurring lisp. Challenge the host. Play it one more time, would you? So here's the idea. Here's the idea. Every week we can take it in turn. So one of us will set a challenge for the other two. <sighs> so this week is going to be me um, setting the challenge for you two. And because it's the first week of challenge the host. <laughs> Um, I'm going to give you three options, and between you, you can pick which one you'd prefer. So the idea is I'm going to set a challenge, and on Monday before midday, uh, midday EST, which is which is your time, you need to, both need to upload a video oh my. showing that you've done it. It's so much <laughs> work. Where are we uploading depend- the video to? They're going to be simple. They're going to be simple. So this first week, you've got you've got a choice of three challenges, right? Jesus. So you both need to agree on what you're going to challenge, be okay. challenged for. The first one is inspired by Morocco's bottle cutting. Um, how many water bottles, filled with water, filled with water, can you cut through in one slice? So you can choose any blade that you have and, you know, set up six or seven water bottles and see how far through you can get. So whoever does the most water bottles is the winner. So that's the first option you have. All right. The second option you have is to get a scrap piece of steel, just a small piece, and you've got a well, just lay down a bead of two inches, and we'll put that up on Instagram, oh. and the listeners will decide who's done the best. Jesus beads. Christ! <laughs> this is the business. You should challenge the host or beat the shit out of the host. Go ahead. What's, or the, what's the, the next third, one? The third challenge, and you only got to pick one of these. Jesus, thank the third God. Third one is a two egg omelet. How fast you can make a two egg omelet that's edible? You need to eat your own omelet. We have to eat the omelet too. You need to eat the omelet, so it's it's no race to eat the omelet, but you just it needs to be cooked enough to eat it, you know. So that's your options. You've got either the the water bottle chop, you've got the <laughs> laying down some beads, or you've got the two egg omelet challenge. Egg which omelet. is it going to be, Morocco? As my as uh, out of respect and as a, out of out of friendship, I give you full choice, whatever you want. I'll do whatever uh, you want. This this new bit. <laughs> It seems like a lot of work, but I'll do it. I'll do as it as long as they need to be. They need to be simple challenges as each week, and you know they don't have to be um, knife related. They could be anything. You know, how many grapes you can fit in your mouth? They can be anything. <laughs> Jesus you Christ! Need to put a what video the fuck? Up. You what need kind of hopefully we're not opening this, this up to how? the audience. 
Jesus Christ. <laughs> but you need to put a video up on Monday before midday showing you doing the video challenge. Video where? And Just like post it on Instagram. Onto Knife Talk. Onto Knife onto Talk the knife Instagram. Talk, onto Knife Talk Instagram, yes. yeah. All right. Okay. And it's either an obvious winner, such as, you know, the, the water bottle challenge. Whoever does the most water bottles is the winner. If you both manage to do the same amount, I'll judge it on style, maybe. Oh, my God. Um, but, you know, there's some, such as the beads, where we let the, the listeners vote on who they think has laid the best beads down. You know? So it can be different each week. So next week, one of you two guys then will then set the challenge, and the other two guys have to do it. Mareko, so. as, as I said before, <laughs> out of respect and loyalty and an and appreciation for everything you've done, I give you complete control. Well, and out of respect and loyalty to you, uh, I will I will select the omelet challenge. Yes! Thank oh. God you're my man! <laughs> Thank God! That's a good one. Thank God. That's a good one. You honestly, are my man. It's been a long time since I've done a water bottle chop, and <laughs> and it's <laughs> we can both do it on. We can do it and feed our family at the same time. We don't, exactly. I don't know, Hillary, Hillary, Hillary. So where are you going? Oh, I did a water bottle challenge for the podcast. What? <laughs> I gotta make you. <laughs> Let I'm, me set some. I keep my mouth shut. Rules. I say, hey, I'm making an omelet, and that's it. I put the camera on, and that's it. Perfect. Ground you're ground rules. Okay, man. so you're my you man. can have everything prepped. You can have the uh, your, your pan on super hot. It can be completely prepped. Um, the minute the egg touches the pan, the timer starts. Mm-hmm. Um, and the minute the omelette is plated, as soon as it's on a plate, the timer stops. And all you need to do then is eat it. There's no rush to eat it. But if you can eat it... We could do know better than two enough. eggs, can't we? A two-egg omelette, that's all it needs to be. Right. What, kind of, have to what be, kind of monstrosities you know, American... are you making, Jeff? No, no, no. I mean, you know, usually an omelette's got like more than two eggs, but... Um, but remember, we got we got a sixty second limit on Instagram for this video. Can I put some fresh herbs in it or some seasoning? You, you can go. <laughs> you can go as crazy as you guys, like. Americans. And I suppose if you've got the same amount of seconds, it will then be judged on style or whatever. It mm. There'll be some other criteria, okay. I bet. But um, sixty yeah. seconds. Two egg on the chance right. by by midday Monday. So the second the Ameri- eggs hit the pan. I, and Challenge, Challenge the, the host. host. <laughs> 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 I whispered the end. Challenge the host. <laughs> so the, and Americans, just remember this, Americans, an omelet doesn't have to have shit inside of it either. So a traditional, there's two styles of French omelets. There's the classic French omelet and there's the overcooked, there's the kind of like well done omelet, but Rubber. usually they don't have anything in them. <laughs> yeah. You don't have yeah. to have shit in them. No, 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 no. So, shall we get back to Kev's question? Oh, thank God. Oh, my God. I'm thinking, oh, yeah. Hey, you fucking sexy your... bitches. Can I ask you a question? Uh, I want to know who the best sharpener is between the three of you. Who's got the sharpest knives? Holla. <laughs> <laughs> it's Morocco. Stop the, stop the clock. I don't know about 60 that. 60 seconds is up. It's Morocco. That's it. It's over. So maybe in the future we'll see the water bottle challenge and we will have a definitive winner there. Let's but um, yeah, I'd go with Morocco for the time. Yeah, being. time being. That's it. It's over. I got to say, Kev, Kev's uh, voice, I don't, I don't think that's his normal talk. I think he was putting on a voice for us. He sounded a little bit like Cartman from South Park. Hey, guys. <laughs> Who's got the shabbiest now? Hey, you fucking sexy bitches. <laughs> Can I ask you a question? I want to know who the best sharpener is between the three of you. Who's got the sharpest knives? <laughs> holla. Challenge the host. I like the holla. Challenge the, the host. Nice. Nice, Kasumi <laughs> Cat. Well, yeah, there you go. So, shall we get back to the questions? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, all right. Will Freeman Let's Knives asked, how do you effectively grow your business online? 
and this could be a whole show on its yeah. own. This thing, I think, the, in I, my experience, the biggest key is consistency and engaging your audience. I think those are the two biggest factors: consistency in posting and engaging your audience. I think if you're gonna keep it narrow, consistency, yeah. consistency, and consistency—that's yeah. the most important thing. Growing is. It's grassroots. It's not. I think yeah. a lot of times, a lot of guys get involved with doing this stuff, and they think you're going to have instantaneousness. No, yeah. I don't think it's instantaneousness is the right word, but that's fine. Um, it's consistency, and it's just grassroots consistency. And it's also, unfortunately, websites now are are hard to make easy. I think a lot of and the knife business is hard too, especially when you have a lot of different options. Um, you got to figure out ways in which to make your 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 the knife making experience easier, and that's something we. Fo- I mean, online when people buy from you, they have to make it easy, and that's something we're just struggling with, trying to make it easier and easier all the time. Yeah, yeah. I'd say brand yourself, stand out different from everybody else if you can. I've seen so many you know websites out there where it's all black and they've got sparks and flames everywhere, which is. You know why I've intentionally gone the opposite way with my website. It's very sort of white and clean, um, but you know, try and stand out. People are scrolling through thousands and thousands of things. Try and scroll. Try and stand out in some way. So that could be even the style of your pictures, or you know, the 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 descriptions that you're using, the hashtags that you're using. You know, you may be getting a different audience to everybody else, but just think a bit differently. You know, look what everybody else is doing and think, well, everybody's doing that. You know. It's harder to compete with something that everybody's doing. Find your own thing and just push that. that that's my advice. Yeah. Love right. it. That's great. All right. This next one is from Laramie Jackson from Arizona. He says, what's up, Buttercup? I have a conundrum for you. Do you have a contingency plan for when a piece of machinery goes down or fails? Like having a secondary way of doing a process, say heat treat oven goes, oh, sorry, say your heat treat oven goes down and you can run over to a friend's house or bandsaw bricks and you have your angle grinder. So what are your contingency plans for it, for, for stuff? Or maybe that's those exact, that, uh, maybe those exact examples. That's actually that was a pro. That was something that when I started doing heat treating myself, it was you know because I'm doing a lot of stainless steel. Originally, my first person to heat treat my knives was a listener, a good buddy of ours, um, Kyle Daly. Used to heat treat my knives, and then he became you know he's got a job too, so it was it became hard for him to do it. It became hard for me to do it, and. Um, I got an even heat oven, which I love, uh, and it was always the question of, if it breaks down, what am I going to do? You got to have contingencies. The only other time I've ever had to worry about contingencies was what, the worm drive in my uh, porta band uh, just mm. like broke. Like you know, the these these porta bands are not really meant for you know long time. They're for I mean they they make these porta bands to go on job sites so you can cut you know, posts and, you know, for quick cuts, they're not really, they're not, so the, that's where the, the blades go. And my, so I, I destroyed the worm drive. And then luckily for me, there's a uh, tool repair shop down in Peekskill. And I noticed they had this huge pile of tools. And I said, what is this pile of tools? And they said, well, you know, people, you know, they want them fixed. But then when we give them the price of how to fix it, they just walk away. So we just sell them, you know, at a, you know, half the price. So I ended up buying a secondary, um, I had to buy a secondary portal band because there was really a lot of options. Yeah. So you got to 
you know, take those, <laughs> you gotta like, that's scary shit. Yeah. Mm. From, from, that's got me scared because yeah. I've got no contingency at all. I've got basically one of everything. So that's, yeah, yeah I haven't really given that much thought. Good question. What did it, well, there's an expression, one is, one is, two is one and one is none or something. Like, Tony used to say that to me about buying new, you know, extra stuff. He, there was an expression, it was like two is one and one is none. I don't remember. Sorry. My bad. Whatever. Good story. Uh, no, just... <laughs> that was terrible. That was um, terrible. I wish I knew that expression. I mean, if my heat tree oven went down, I fortunately have a second one. But if both went down, I can. I've pretty well practiced at heat treating out of a forge, so I I can definitely heat treat out of a forge. If I didn't want to heat treat out of a forge, um, I am lucky to have plenty of friends I can reach out to for help. Um, I think that's the great part about this community is that we can help each other out if something along those lines goes sideways. Uh, but if your bandsaw goes out, you're not driving three states over to use somebody else's bandsaw. So, yeah, angle grinder is probably the, the next best backup if you don't know somebody in your local area who happens to be a carpenter and has a bandsaw or a, a metal working shop nearby that has another bandsaw. I think the best contingency plan is to have plenty of good relationships with uh, good people who have <laughs> access to equipment that you might potentially need. Perfect. Uh, like like going back to Washington, I'm leaving Dragon's Breath Forge. I'm leaving a lot of equipment behind. Um, one of the biggest things, uh, you know, obviously there's the hammers, but a lathe. A lathe is hard to come by. But I am fortunate that uh, my good buddy um, – of course, I'm shit. Uh, Tom Buckner. <laughs> I was like totally blanking on his name for half a second. Tom Buckner, Buckner Knives, he has a lathe. And not, not only does he have a lathe, he has a great personality. He's a good friend. And so I think just developing that community aspect is a great way to help have a good contingency plan. Super clutch. That's a super clutch move. I've had conversations with friends of mine who are not too far away. Yeah. And I've always said to them, my shop is yours. And I think yeah. that that is... That is the unsung thing with the people in our, you know, we're not in com- competition with each other. We're all in this together. Yeah. Uh, back in the day when I was at uh, this restaurant, Alva, we ran out of potatoes and we went across the street to Bolo, which was Bobby Flay's place. And we had to borrow a bag of potatoes. And, you know, they didn't think of it. They didn't think that, that you know, they weren't like, no way we want to screw you. We're like, we're all in this together. And when they needed some fish, we gave them some fish. It's, it's it, the that's we're all in this together so i that's 100 percent. so craig we gotta make some friends yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) well i mean i'm two hours from i mean we're very rural here so there's no other knife makers local but i'm two hours from tiers which is you know the capital Mm. of knife making in france really it's a whole village of knife makers so i you know at a push i could always just drive to tiers and there's going to be someone there that could that could help out but um yeah that's got me thinking about you know what i would need yeah. Um, yeah. Just in case. Just in case. For sure. Let's move on. Hillside Forge asks, "Hey guys, I was curious to your advice on drilling pinholes. For some reason, when lubricating drill bit and hole, I end up hardening the steel and making it almost impossible to drill through. Usually, drills after normalization cycles, so the steel is at its softest point. And he asks, is it the the poor bit quality, or is he missing something along the way? Thank you for your help." And I've just gone through a mammoth drilling session that last week. Yeah, baby. Um, and I, <laughs> it sounds it sounds like Morocco's neighbours at the moment. It seems like they're drilling hard. <laughs> you need that bedpost knocking away. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> oh. 
Um, I, I'm interested in your you your advice, you two guys, on this because I I str- I've got a really bad drill press. It's 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 just this five speed thing, and it's, even the lowest speed isn't slow enough. I'm sure that's my problem. It's not slow enough. But what do you what what advice do you guys have? I, I'm sorry, but now I all I can think of is that a hammering is someone's getting banged in the back. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I would say know, know your material. I, w- I think it would depend on what kind of material you're trying to drill. If you're drilling stainless, stainless will work harden as you're drilling through it, especially if it's producing heat uh, because the bit's not sharp or whatever's happening. So that can cause some serious problems. Other high alloy, uh, high carbon steels will do that too. 52100 will do that. 01. All the, the, those will become a serious pain in the ass if you're trying to drill with a bit that isn't sharp enough um so i'd either say have plenty of those bits on hand or have a a good way to touch up that bit um to keep it nice and sharp um but that would be those would be my first things otherwise you can go back in and if you have a torch even a little handheld uh like a propane torch um put some heat at least on carbon steels i know that you can put a little heat on it and that will help kind of do a subcritical anneal in a way um and you can get back in and drill again but if you're especially if you're working stainless or some sort of work hardening steel that will be probably one of your main issues do you use any special bits at all what you know what material bits are you using i i don't actually i don't at all i i most of the stuff we're using is uh just high speed steels um some people get you know i know there's a lot of a lot of people live and die by like cobalt coated steels uh sorry cobalt coated coated tungsten high carbide you know or uh oh shit i need coffee high speed steels oh my god (laughs) my brain totally died uh but you know i've never really paid too much attention about that with that uh presently because that's not an issue because of the steels i'm working with they're pretty readily drilled if i need to drill them um so unfortunately i, I, I had a lot of shit from I, I put up a video the other day just showing just i was just drilling through lots and lots of holes and i was using wd-40 as a lubricant and i had a lot of shit from people saying never use wd-40 as a lubricant for drilling and um, because it heats up way too quick and it smokes and it, it's, it's just not good at all it's, it's probably doing more damage than it is good i've been told so you know what something i learned that's what that's why I, yeah yeah it was uh it was a shit st- i knew it was going to be a shit storm of people telling you know what you should do um but two things i learned one in uh a sheet metal shop i used to work at my the boss we were drilling tons of holes and my boss used to say he says you know the two most important things are number one is scale is harder than the steel so if you're drilling if you're forging your knife and he's got a lot of scale on the top you probably want to remove some of that scale because the scale is actually harder than the steel. It's like carbon. It's real super hard. Yeah, yeah. And the second thing is, is when you start to make too much friction with your hole, yeah. If the drill bit's making too much friction, it's going to work hard in that spot, and it's going to ruin every single bit you put in, even a new one. So we were actually, mm. I was drilling on this piece of steel, and it was like it was getting hot and hot and hot. And then I, I threw the bit out, and I got a new bit, and I ruined that bit. I ruined you, you if you don't. If you work hard in the the material that you're going through, your net you're going to go through every bit in your shop. So that is that is super hard. You got to be real careful in how you're drilling. Yeah. So you know, we'll see slower and uh, slower and more torque, less uh, 
less speed. Speed's not your friend. It's like more you want to you want to catch you want to catch the steel and you want it to kind of like get out nice. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> yeah. I use WD. Who's taking the next one? I, I, I use WD forty sometimes. <laughs> the truth comes out. It's a fucking drill bit. Drilling eight. You know, I mean, I, I got no. Listen, sometimes I use a little WD forty, or I use cutting oil. I got a little cutting. I I use the three in one cutting oil. Sometimes sure. you don't have a cutting oil. You use a little WD forty. Yeah, there's also there's all kinds of drill lubricants. There's like tap magic and blah blah blah. All right, the next one comes from Ye Blackbeard. What are your guys' suggestions on just starting out as blacksmithing, i.e., what tools should a beginner buy first uh, over things that you gain more experience with that you can buy, blah, 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 pages, books? So if you're going to get into blacksmithing, what are the first things you should do? And this is back, we did a whole episode on anvils and we did an episode on hammers and stuff like that. If you were going to just get the stuff to start forging, Mareka, what would you get? Uh, you know, I would probably build just a tiny little, especially if I was just starting and I didn't want to spend a ton of money. There are actually plans out there for little coffee can forges that you can build. Um, and you can like cobble together. It sounds terrible, but you can cobble together pretty nice burners just from pipe fittings that you and, and welding bits that you can get at your local hardware supply store. Um, so the biggest thing probably would be just getting a forge, a good heat source that you can forge your metal uh, out of. And then uh, when it comes to anvil, if you don't have the money to drop on an anvil, uh, machinists actually sometimes or machine shops or steel fabricating shops welding shops they have chunks or plates of metal hanging around and i actually just got out scored a couple pieces of like two and a half inch thick three inch thick by i think it's like 10 inch by 12 inch blocks and those will work perfectly as an anvil at least if you're just starting if you if but anything kind of kind of hefty that can withstand the force of hammering on it uh, you definitely you don't want to use another hammerhead. That's not a good idea uh, to forge against. But but yeah, there, there's there are definitely uh, inexpensive ways to get into it. Will Morrison in Australia uses like he's got like a four foot a four inch by four inch block of steel that he makes his knives. He makes the best knives in the, some of the best knives in the world. Yeah, they're awesome. They're awesome knives. I would definitely yeah. I get get yourself a hammer. Get yourself a forge and an anvil and. You know, then you start to get into getting a vice and then getting, you need, you need tongs, get yourself some tongs. Um, and you know, then you start to kind of like see what you need. That The one thing is I know a lot of people use vice grips and it's such a drag. The one thing I, I say more importantly than anything else is having tongs that you feel comfortable with because the tongs, I ended up buying, I ended up getting a ton of tongs to fit every stage that I'm holding him in and it just makes the forging so much better. So I think that I think that people underestimate how important it is to have good fitting tongs. You can listen we've done a previous episode and I think it was called Hammers and Anvils um probably about 20 shows back. Um listen to that one because we go into this in really big detail. But I think what yeah. what we come up with in the end is you're probably best spending money on a class before you even start. Um, because then you'll see what will work for you. But yeah, go and listen to Hammers and Anvils about 20 episodes back. Okay, the next one is from, I think it's S.P. Hibbard. Um, And this is a good one from Areco, because I know he'll be at Blade this year. 
With mm. Blade Show coming up, just wanted to ask if you all have any questions, and, uh, sorry, any tips for the show. It's his first time going to Blade this year. So any tips for going to Blade? Mm. Uh, there are a lot of people, that, and obviously Jeff. Jeff, actually, I think Jeff is probably a better person to ask because I've always been behind the table. Uh, this will be my first year as an attendee, but I think, I think anybody going for the first time should have a game plan because it's easy to get distracted, um, to see people that you follow or whatever. And so if you, it, I think going with a game plan, making sure you see the people that you definitely want to see or, or talk to or purveyors you want to get stuff, handle material or any kind of other stuff from while you're there, hit those people up first. It's a long weekend. There's lots of time, especially for, for BSing, um, not only during the show, but afterward down in what is typically called the pit, uh, which is kind of like the commons area of the Renaissance Waverly hotel. Um, so I, I would suggest having a game plan of who you want to see, get in there, see those per- people first, have those conversations first, and then and then go on with the rest of the show and just enjoy yourself from then on out. But Jeff, what do you think? I I I I went one the first year I went I went for all three days, and by the third day I'm like, all right, what am I doing here now? I like to go. I I go usually Friday, and then I leave. I come back to New York on Saturday afternoon, mm-hmm. uh, so I get to spend. I don't. I don't spend a ton enough time with everybody, but it's like, you know, I go see. I go. I really go for the wood. To be honest with you. I go for <laughs> all the. <laughs> Why is it so funny? Every about time. Jack? Wooden tackle. I'm there for the wood, baby. I'm here for the wood. Yeah, so I mean, that's the thing. That's the thing about, and I think a lot of other people are are there for the that all that wood too. But it's it's like you know you can buy stabilized woods and stuff online, but you can't really pick a pick through them. The one of the best things is they have a pile of guys who are selling really nice stabilized woods, really nice blocks, and you can pick it up and look at it. That is. There is no that is the number one thing I leave with. Like I leave with a I'm just a backpack full of blocks. And that's always something that like because that's the drag about buying wood. If you can't like see it and look through it yourself, you're kinda like rolling the dice sometimes. Mm. So being able to pick that stuff out is great. Cause I mean, you know, you can go get your Corbys anywhere. And you sometimes I like to go see um there's a couple guys who have strange uh G tens in my card as you don't normally see, but other than that, and you know, I like to talk to people and see things, but uh, see people, but uh, I'm there for the wood. I'm there for the wood. Moving and on. Everybody Moving else. on. <laughs> They're still at it. Jeez. <laughs> someone's, getting, someone's getting the wood right now. <laughs> someone's been getting the wood for the last hour and a half. Uh, let's see. Patterson Blade says, on my last few hidden tang knives, I have brazed a piece of threaded rod to the end of the tang uh, to accept a female half of a Corby bolt, do you have any tips for countersinking the Corby in the end of the handle at the correct angle? Mm. Uh, so my the thing I do when I do this kind of through tang construction and bolt uh, the handle material on from the bottom is I, I, I need a pen light. And if you go to any kind of like dollar store or something like that you can get one of those little like it's like a pen on one side and it's a little flashlight on and like a laser pointer on the other side and that little light is actually perfect for looking down into your hidden tang slot 
And what I do is kind of basically kind of eyeball it and look down the slot and then kind of mark on the outside of the handle where the edges that slot are. So I know where that cavity is. And then I also, I use my calipers. Um, most people don't really, I don't think maybe realize this, but the calipers not only measure inside the jaws, but there's usually a long, thin pin that comes out the bottom and that's actually great for measuring depth and so you can use that bottom side of your calipers to also figure out how deep that cavity is and then once you have the slot basically outlined on the outside of your handle material you just figure out what your profile of your handle looks like and um and then figure out where you want your pin to be and kind of just real hole <laughs> there's i don't there's no real good way to like explain it uh other than that i i don't use a very uh sophisticated system i just kind of i'm uh, unfortunately i do a lot of eyeballing of things um so yeah that that would be my approach and i don't, I don't even know if that makes sense <laughs> so please if you have any clarifying questions uh you guys let me know that's the answer. I, it's something I've never done, but I understand what you're saying. That's the answer. Yeah, Sounds good. You can actually, really quick, you can also use, I, most smartphones have a flash flashlight um, function. I've used, I've been actually taking some videos uh, for my Instagram of what the slot looks like on the inside when I'm cleaning it out, and it's in my highlights. And you can, but you can use your smartphone flash light function to see down into that slot as well. Uh, to help get an idea of what things are looking like in there. There we are. SLC Blade asks, Hey, Cutie, can I ask you a question? What are your favorite types of blades to make? And why? <laughs> Classic sh- Western knife, chef knives for me, because that's what I enjoy using. So that's what I make. Simple yeah. as that. Yep. Chef's knives for me. I love them. I love cooking. I love making tools that help people and uh, uh, help people to enjoy the experience of cooking more, as well as having kind of a little bit of a story to tell about, especially the custom pieces. Um, but I think the reason I like making chef times the most is because, as I've mentioned, th- cooking is such a great experience and a great way to bring people together. I mean, that's one of the reasons we've transitioned from nomadic peoples to kind of. Uh, the societies we have today and just like jeff's hammer in you know a couple weeks ago it was perfect illustration um you know the hammer in was fun but the food was an incredible addition to the whole overall experience and it just leveled it up so much more and so food food's awesome cooking's awesome i love chef's knives well thank you and i'll say Whatever pays the bills. <laughs> you whore. Whatever pays the bills. You're a knife whore. That's what you Hey, <laughs> I'm in the biz I'm in the I'm in the business of making business. I like making what I I like making knives, but it like I right now I'm making a pile more oyster knives. I like making those. I like making chef knives. I like I like I do think for me personally, I do like culinary knives more than other things I do get into the to the the uh, cultural aspect of it, and the fact that they, you know, the people get to use them more often than others, and I do. That's yes, the answer, answer. Culinary knives, whatever pays the bills. I'll make you whatever you want. I'll make you weed knives. 
I'll make you. I'll make you whatever you want. I'll. I'll make a knife for that bitch getting drilled right now by the by the next door. Jesus Christ. That was wrong. I apologize. I'm gonna apologize again soon too. Listen, let's talk about our next awesome sponsor, the New Jersey Steel Baron. If you want to buy knife steel, if you're in making knives, if you're in knife making business, and you want to make knives, go get steel from a reputable source. Go to the New Jersey Steel Baron. They have tons of steel in all sorts of dimensions. They have a large variety of steels, different sizes, thicknesses, and alloys. They also offer water jet cutting services, and their new website's on its way. Yeah, right. What can you do? It's on its way. <laughs> but one thing is, is about their website now is, if you have questions about heat treating, they'll, they have a lot of details in regards to how you can heat, how things should be heat treated, which is great. They're super, super knowledgeable. I met with the guy who makes the Damascus there, Dale. He's a super good guy. They're starting to make Damascus and other things. Um, Pete is super great with um, the uh, water jet services. They're going to start to offer uh, water jet services for handle materials too. Uh, they're a really important sponsor for us because they're very dedicated to the knife making community and I believe in them and they're fantastic. So the New Jersey Steel Baron, we're with them and uh, that's how it is. Just just bear with us because we're in the process of getting some deals with them for the listeners too. But we just need their website to be finished. So that's, that's very nearly done, we've been told. But when it is, we're going to have some really good deals for all our listeners. So bear with us. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what we haven't had this week? Tell me. A good joke. We've had some bad jokes. Jeff, have we got any special ones in this week? Uh, we got one from Shady Grady EDC. He said, hey, sir, I was wondering if you could uh, answer this question. Why did the can crusher quit his job? I don't know. Why did the can crusher quit his job? <laughs> because it was so depressing. <laughs> They're still not getting good, ladies and germs. Ladies and germs. I mean, germs. There are no ladies listening to this thing. No, no. This is a, this is not good. They're not good. But thank you, Shady Grady EDC, for submitting that joke. Craig's community showcase. The community showcase. That bit of the show where we get to highlight a maker, a thing, or anything that we think deserves to have a shout out we had some fun with this last week because last week we went the show went over two hours it was a monster show so i gave us all the uh the restriction of 30 seconds so we're gonna have 30 seconds again and we've got a countdown and i'm gonna go first so the first one is chef's talk and i'm talking the hashtag not the person so we're often asked by people, you know, how do you get your, your knives out to the right people, markets to the right people. And for me, the right people are chefs. I want chefs to buy my knives or restaurant owners to buy my knives. And the hashtag chefs talk is amazing. So use that. And I mean, just have a look as well, what other people are tagging with chefs. Some amazing food to be inspired by, some amazing chefs. And it's helped me sell <laughs> that's, it. that's me done. That's me done. I like that bed, Jeff. I like that bed. This, this is right, a, a very famous bed from a, a program called Countdown in the UK, where it's like a, a thirty-second quiz thing. But um, it works well. All right. it works well. I'm ready. Jeff, to go. Are you ready? All the time. Go for it. 
My buddy Isaiah Schroeder of Schroeder Knife Works is an incredible bladesmith in Madison, Wisconsin. He is makes incredible knives, Damascus. Uh, his handles are exquisite. He's just an incredible guy. I met him a number of years ago. He's got this beautiful shop in Madison. He, I know he works with uh, Nate Zimmerman sometimes and a few other guys in Madison. And if you're, you'd be crazy not to follow Schroeder Knife Works. And Schroeder Knife Works is for you. Nice. <laughs> I hit the post. I think I hit the post. Nice Didn't fit. I, hit the post? <laughs> nice. I try to hit the post. You know yeah, what? Baby. If even if you go in short, I think we need to try and finish in that thirty seconds. So you drag it out I if you love- need to. <laughs> One of my favorite things in radio is when the guys used to hit the post. You know, hitting the post yeah. is before a song. You have like a, a certain amount of seconds before the song kicks in, and then these radio disc jockeys would talk and they do the. They would. I, that was one of my favorite things is if you can talk within a certain amount of time before the song starts. I love hitting the post. We ready, Marekko? Ready. Go. All right. This week I have William Manning. He's Heartwood Forge on Instagram. He's a badass chef's knife maker. He specializes with a lot of sand mai. He does an exemplary job forging it down and getting a really nice, clean, even, and tight reveal. So if you don't follow him, go follow him. Heartwood Forge on Instagram. Boom! Winning! Totally killed that one. That's all I got. I'm good. With time to spare! <laughs> You did kill it. You had a few seconds, though. You know what? I, I, I love this. This is now my favorite thing. I'm going to actually do my own countdown timer so I can see. This is fantastic. This is fantastic, Craig. Good stuff. This is fantastic. Good stuff. That's a show. That's a show. No beefs? We can do beefs. I have if to you, apologize if, to the Italians. If you want to do beefs, if you want to do beefs, we need. give me a second. <laughs> I got to... Where's the beef? I got to apologize to the Italians. Go for it. So last episode, I was I uh, I guess I had uh, uh, unfortunately said something uh, to an Italian who had slipped into my DMs in regards to um, he didn't like the way I spelled something. Blah blah blah. I ended up saying "cazzo di faccia," which I thought was balls in the face. Well, he reached out to me, who I I, I believe I don't think he did. He's uh, he's a nice guy. His name is Morelli Knives, and he reached out to tell me. He said to me, "Cazzo di faccio means nothing," and this is me saying, "I think it means something." I think you saying it's nothing. It's "cazzo di faccia" means you know your your tackle in your face. So it, I, I I didn't say it a hundred percent correctly, but it's it's "cazzo in faccia." That's what I should have said. So. Thank you for criticize, you know, correcting my spelling, on uh, and correcting my pronunciation of some Italian vulgarities. <laughs> Morelli Metalworks, a good dude, Gabe. I'm with you. I appreciate it. Thank you for being a good sport. Do you got a beef, Morocco? Yeah, I just got a quick one. So, in talking about this blacksmith knife, I've been talking about, you know, do I want to sell it just with a flat out price or do an auction or something like that? And I had several people say, uh, or not several. I had a few people saying. Well, if you do an auction, the only the only reasonable th- reason to do an auction is for a nonprofit benefit to benefit a nonprofit. And my first thought is, well, yes, that is a great reason to do an auction. But who the fuck do you think we are? I'm not rolling in the laps of luxury over mm. here. You know, this is this is an auction is one way to sell an item uh, versus all the other ways. 
But to say that you have to, the only good reason to do an auction is to benefit somebody else, I think is a little unfair because the reality is like, like I said, we're not rolling in laps of luxury with tons of money and an auction could be a good way for plenty of people who actually are very successful uh, with their auctions um, to make uh, good money off of their work, off of their hard work. It's also a great way to test the market in a way, what the what kind of value-wise the market will bear. Um, I'm doing this auction for this little blacksmith knife just because I, I, you know, I don't, I basically never make these and never sell them. So I don't really know what kind of price to put on it. So I'm going to say I'll start it at 50 bucks. I think that's at least a reasonable starting price. And then whoever wants to buy it can buy it at whatever. Maybe somebody will get it for 50 bucks. Who knows? But I think, I just think it's, it's frustrating and unfair to say that, hey, you broke ass knife maker. If you want to do an auction, it shouldn't be for yourself. And that it kind of yeah. pisses yeah. it kind of pisses me off, especially since like I I did actually kind of the rough math this morning, and I've I've donated at least a dozen chefs knives um, to nonprofit organizations to benefit them and the foundations that they run around. And you know, just before I close my books, uh, I don't talk about the price of my knives very often because it fluctuates and changes so much. But um, you know. Generally speaking, a nine-inch chef's knife was forty-two hundred dollars. So you do the fucking math, and you tell me I'm not donating enough. You can go fuck yourself. <laughs> you don't hey. listen. You, this is this is a, this is a very good point, and and I think that a lot. This falls under the, our whole idea of you know people say you know what you should do is is I, you you're entitled to your own liberty. And I think that that is very true. And I don't talk about, you know, we donate, we do a lot of donations. You, I know yeah. you got involved with Alex, Alex's, Alex's Lemonade. I did the same yeah. thing. I always do something with the CIA. I yeah. do something with the hearing loss organization every year. You, the, your problem is, is you have so many followers that the percentage of idiots are as much higher than the ones that <laughs> Greg and I have. Yeah, that's, that's probably you, you have a yeah. higher percentage. You have yeah. a per, higher percentage of morons. And that's just going to be, have to be. I mean, am I wrong? Tell me, that's no, the math, I think, right? I think that I think that's a good reasoning. Yeah, you got. I mean, if let's say thirty percent are really off their rocker, sure. you got thirty percent more. You got you're gonna have to deal with some bullshit things to say. <laughs> that's you know, true. people are gonna say stupid things to you, and it's just like you you you're entitled to not have to justify the decisions that you make. Yeah, yeah. You should say, you know what? Then why don't you buy it, you fuck? Yeah, I'm going to. Here's a nonprofit. This is a nonprofit to shut the fuck up organization. <laughs> yeah, Lee, ugh, that is annoying. People are so. It is annoying having to deal with a lot of this nonsense. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, you're good. To deal with it. You're good. Uh, I wasn't I, me. Who, I wasn't me who told you that. Wasn't I? Wasn't me who told you that you had to put it to a nonprofit. I'm with you. I say all profit. It's going to the Momasi Foundation for paying the bills. That's paying the bills because I'm moving. Yeah, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what it's for. It's for it's for if I want some fucking peanut butter for a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Yep. You buy the knife or shut the fuck up. You're the boss. You're uh, your own don't, boss. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Craig, do you got a beef? I do. I do. I'll keep I'll keep it Ooh. short. Um but it's old ladies. My beef is old ladies. <laughs> <laughs> Those old bats. Those old bats. You wait, so, are you talking about your significant other or elderly women? Elderly women. <laughs> elderly women. <laughs> easy, easy, easy. <laughs> Who think they're the whole sort of sage of life that know everything. So, mm. you know, I, I, 
I mentioned earlier in the show that I have I've had my my twins on my own for some time, quite a bit over ah. the last sort of three or four weeks. Um, but whenever I take them out, it's all and it's generally always old ladies will come up and they'll look at the babies and they'll pull up their blankets and they you know they're making sure <laughs> you know that they're being looked after. And I've had so many women say to me, "Where's their mother?" As if I've like abducted these poor kids, you know? <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. So. Yeah. Old ladies, they're, they're my beef. They need to step off and just let me do my thing. Hey, Greg, yeah. you're doing it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> These, you know, it's the same people who go up to pregnant ladies and just start touching their stomachs. Yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah. what the fuck? Just go buy your baguette and fuck away off. <laughs> it's, the stupidest, it's the stupidest thing. These people are so... Everybody's got to stick their nose into your business. Yep. Oh, yeah. Leave my kids alone, you fuck. Yep. Yeah, it's that thing that everybody has advice which they think they need to, you know, to tell you as if they've been that, you know, the greatest parent in the world and they're going to give you this gift of their advice and it's just like oh. just leave me alone. I'm 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 good. I'm good. Craig would Craig wouldn't let me touch the babies. I better go fuck way off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a show. That is definitely Old a show bats. now. So you know, we need to make sure on Monday we've got a couple of videos up of you two guys oh, two us. egg omelette challenge. Um, we'll then sixty seconds, right? Well, that's that's the limit you've got you know, on Instagram. So you, oh, the limit or oh, right, isn't it right, on the video right, limit? Right, so right. you know you need to do as fast as you can, and the, you know whoever's the fastest to make an edible two egg omelette, um, they're the winner, and they get to choose next week's challenge for the other two guys to do. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna post it on. How should we post? How would you prefer us to post it? A post, a, you just, know, a knife talk post because okay. A, okay. a story will be split up and it'd just be awkward. So just just do a post, both of you, before midday on Monday, and we're good. We're good. All right. Aye, the, aye. the judge's decision is final. Right. And you need to start Bye. thinking about your own challenges then. So, you know, if you were to win, what the challenge would be for the following week. Right. But let's okay. let's keep them simple. Let's not have oh, something, that, oh, you know. Oh, now all of a sudden, all of a sudden it's keep them simple. <laughs> you said we're going to have a new beat. We're going to have a new bit. And I'm thinking, okay, we're going to like say something stupid while we're doing this. Now all of a sudden we got to actually do work. <laughs> Fine. But that's the show. So make sure you're, um, you're following us on Instagram, which is Knife Talk Podcast. Make sure you're leaving reviews on iTunes for us because they help massively. We're slowly climbing that chart. Um, and remember, we've got the forum at knifetalk.net. And if you've got any questions for us, make sure you post them via Instagram. We shall see you next week. That's the way go. That's the show. <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.